Hello and welcome to Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, this is Objection to the Rule, live from Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Max, here in the studio with Emily and Teresa. Hello. How's Hi. everyone doing today? Doing all right. We're yeah. here. Yeah. Surviving the heat wave? Barely. Surviving yeah. Mercury in retrograde? Right. We were just talking Barely. about losing our minds. And... <laughs> yeah. Just uh, trying to stay cool. Yeah. Is it comforting to know that Mercury is in retrograde and it's not just you? Or to find an excuse that, for right? all yeah. the anxiety in my life? Yeah. It's really I just, comforting. I'm just like, when is when will it ever be over? Like you said, when is it not? Right. Well, technically yeah. August. Yeah. But technically, right, right. Until it comes back around again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was saying it always it feels like it's always in retrograde. Uh, yeah. We find a way to move on. <laughs> anyway, this week's lineup uh, is packed. We have... A hearing to close Rikers Island. Labor Secretary Alex Acosta was dragged down for allegedly protecting Jeffrey Epstein. And a gun buyback in New Zealand is going pretty well. Uh, and, and a lot more. Um, why don't we start with uh, Rikers Island and local news? All Emily, right. you have the story. Yes, I do. All right, local news. Here we go. So um, earlier this week, the City Planning Commission and the Mayor's Office of Criminal Justice Reform held a public hearing on the proposed plan to close the infamous Rikers Island Jail by 2026. Um, so this is something that, you know, de Blasio has been talking about for a long time. Um, notoriously violent, um, mm -hmm. scary jail. If anyone's watched any TV shows ever right. <laughs> that take place in a New York jail, it's pretty frightening stuff. Um, so the current plan of action um, proposal calls for um, building like four smaller new jails, um, one in each borough with the exception of Staten Island. Um, and so it's like the planning commission talking, you know, with the criminal justice reform committee. Um, Which, if I can interject, yeah. may be uh, the first time that Staten Island has not gotten the bad rap. In <laughs> cases. Yeah, like they were saying, like there wasn't uh, like the need for like its own jail right, there. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, well, just throwing trash on, more trash on Staten Island over here, um, which I've never been to. So. Anyway. Just once, and I came right back. <laughs> I guess me too, actually. Anyway. I think they have a great light show uh, for New Year's. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so the hearing actually got really heated because, um, you know, we're at, like justice reform comes in all shapes and sizes, and there's lots of different points of view on these types of issues. Um, so some attendees called like are you know in support of all this and say it needs to happen as quickly as possible. Um, Tamika Graham, uh, an attendee, for example, who spent time in Rikers, told AM New York where I got a lot of this research from. Um, so Rikers is not an environment fit for any human being. So how do we make sure that like you know these smaller, newer prisons don't kind of develop into that, right? Like, I know it's, I mean, it's like, I don't have the, like, you know, I'm not, I don't have a master's in criminal justice. You don't master's to try to figure out how, I don't think anybody really knows um, yeah. how to make sure a jail doesn't get, right. you know, notorious. Right. But Rikers has a lot of history too. And I think that's part of mm -hmm. why it's so notorious, you know, because right. it's been around so long. So there's just a history of the jail itself. Um, that just probably just keeps things going like that. But hopefully if it's, you know, I want to say a new staff, not the same people that's been working there for a long time. I actually know, um, a guard that works there. She goes oh, to my wow. church random. She's really like badass chick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's luckily, she seems to have never had any issues on her job. 
But I don't know if there's a way to do that without right. starting fresh, you know? Yeah, right. I mean, I think a lot of uh, activists from what I was reading are taking the stance that uh, new prisons in general are a bad idea, mm-hmm. that yeah. they have an inevitable uh, conclusion right. and that, you know, there is no way to prevent them from eventually becoming something like Rikers. I mean, Rikers obviously is somewhat of an extreme example, given its history. Yeah, uh, It's gotten a lot of public um, attention. Uh, you know, there was the death of a young boy there. Um, Always. Right. Yeah, and, I was yeah. to say, yeah. which one? Well, yeah, right. young women, young men, yeah. And, um, and I, I mean, I think, I think that, you know, I, t- I sort of take the stance that, you know, as one of the uh, activists at the hearing one of the activists at the hearing said, uh, uh, if, if they build it, yeah. they will fill it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's that kind of concern as well, not just the um, conditions of the prison, but also the effects that prisons have on the communities um, that yeah. are, you, are filling them. Do you I think mean, it would make a difference if it was in closer proximity? Like if it wasn't just like, you know, a lot island. of prisons are just right. like out the way, where you we know, come off, off yeah. the path where people may not have as much uh, oversight. Um, to these sort of places. So if these yeah. smaller jails happen to be local, you right. know, at the at the very minimum, I feel like the public will have more access to what's really going on in there. Right. At least yeah. we hope. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's that's a lot of what the discussions are. It's that the idea that um, this, first, first of all, smaller prison, um, easier population to you know handle, keep an eye on, um, protect vulnerable mm-hmm. populations of, and also having one in each borough um, keeps you know, people closer to their own community also and keeps the community, you know, and, but of course there's also community members that don't want that. And then yeah, also absolutely. say that the building of these facilities will disrupt the communities themselves too, mm-hmm. which is, there's a really bad history in New York of uh, city planners um, yeah. knocking down, you know, Robert Moses style right. building mm-hmm. like freeways through communities and kind of destroying right. them. So there's, th- there's that concern too, um, from that angle. Um, but yeah, there are also opponents that say, not only say that building new jails um, will be bad just um, inherently, but also that the money that will be put for those new jails could be better spent on um, programs that, you know, keep people out of the jail system to begin with. You know, right. housing, um, education. education, mental health services, yeah, rehabilitation right. centers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then the other side, too, was the, you know, reducing the recidivism rate. Right. Um, it's a really, I mean, clearly a very complicated issue. Um, yeah. Um, I, you know, both I can see both sides um, very clearly. But there, you know, part of me does, you know, there is always the concern that, you know, the beast that is Rikers Island and the idea that, you know, oh, just shutting it down is going to solve everything. As opposed, you know, and yes, they're trying, they're also like part of the design of the new jails is also like taking a look at the flow of people and how to prevent like, you know, places where bad things can happen and no one can mm-hmm. be seen like that sort of like point of view too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's pretty scary. It's like, it's going to have a huge impact on the community yeah. of New yeah. York regardless. It's still a good thing that it's closing though. Right. I, I mean, it's a bad place. Yeah. It's, it's a bad place. It's still a good thing. It's that a good it's thing it's closing. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, it's not like there won't be yeah, a prison in New else. York. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. the idea of whether these four smaller ones can really not become the gruesome places that yeah, yeah. will yeah. they be any type of solution right. to to what the problem that his Rikers yeah. Island right. has become <laughs> right exactly yeah yeah um all right well on to the next topic mm-hmm. local yes. news style all right so um 
A new study commissioned by uh, New York Communities for Change shows that over 75% of New Yorkers lack access to the bike share program City Bike. Uh, furthermore, 84% of people of color do not have access, as well as 75% of neighborhoods that are in extreme poverty. And um, on top of that, over 95% of those who do have access already live near subway stations. <laughs> um, awesome. <laughs> so the author of the report, uh, Professor David Walksmith, believes that was pronounced, um, <clears throat> says, uh, bike sharing can be a powerful way to improve the mobility options of socially disadvantaged communities who struggle to afford car ownership and don't have reliable subway access. Unfortunately, our analysis finds that the city bike system in New York fails to live up to this promise. It serves a population which is already extremely privileged, and since the city bike network opened in 2013, the situation has barely improved. Um, end quote. So uh, are we surprised by this? <laughs> um, we were just talking about this last week, too. Yeah, yeah, the bike, yeah cycling and the dangers of it. Um, well... I mean, it's not like it's, it depends on where you are, like how, how easy it is to find. I was just walking through Prospect Park last Sunday um, and I was in the evening and I was like, where's the city bike? You know, it wasn't like by Grand Army Plaza, like the main entrance. Mm -hmm. But if you go deeper into the park, there was like a place over there. Um, and it's near Park Slope, I'm assuming. Yeah. On the other side, wherever that movie theater is on that Next side. Alamo? The, on the south side or? Um, whichever the movie theater is, it's near Prospect <laughs> Park. It's like an old, old one. They had read refurbished uh, it and brought it back i don't know the name of it cool it's horrible but anyway um i couldn't find one is my point right, i right. had to go all the way right. through the park to find it, it wasn't yeah. like easily accessible yeah. near the train where right. i would you know get off to go so right, right. Are, um are you are you both city bike users i've Do never i no, i yeah. am not currently but i my one of my jobs had like a, a shared that we oh. all used so that was it was convenient oops, oops. it was <laughs> it was um it was super convenient but it was also um yeah, and for us, we were on 10th Avenue, which was, okay. you know, a 20-minute walk to the nearest subway. So it was right. an awesome yeah. location. But it was also um, a really gentrified area, too, right? right? Like, it's also under the High Line. Um, that's an area with a lot of, you know, even if it is a far subway walk, is still, um, I'm, you know, I would guess the majority of the people there could afford a cab right. if they, you know, didn't worry about traffic, like that right. sort yeah. of thing. Um, and they, well, one just opened down the block from here from... Um, you know, near the Morgan L stop, like literally around the corner from the train stop, which is, you know, and there, and that's not bad, right? It's not mm -hmm. bad to be able to get off the subway and bike somewhere, but it is. Where, this... But where do you drop it? Like, right. right. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that thing where Seriously. it's like, um, you know, who, who is, what, what's the decision-making process of building these yeah. new, Who's you know, new stations? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that, you know, it brings up an issue of environmentalism in right. general being considered a, uh, yeah, yeah. a wealthy totally. person's issue that, um, you know, there is a process by which we sort of learn to think of poor people as dirty and, you know, mm -hmm. ignorant and not caring about the environment, right. not that they don't have certain resources that allow them to yeah. enact a lot of the, you know, uh, right. environmentally friendly things yeah. that we consider um, an individual's responsibility to the earth. But, you know, it, the reality is that people with less financial means often are going to greater extents mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. do the same things because they have the same commitments to the world. I mean, they understand 
what's at stake here? Why it's necessary, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and they are be and you know, poor folks are being prevented from participating in these social movements, these changes in the city. Yeah, um, that would benefit us all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really unfortunate when um, I noticed maybe just like within the last five years, the lack of trash cans. Yeah. Has anybody ever noticed that? Unbelievable. It's like I'm holding my trash for like so long. It's like all in my bag when I get Mm -hmm. home because there's just not a lot. And then the ones that are, are like overfilling everywhere. Um, They used to be near every train station. You would, you know, on the corner. Mm -hmm. I remember growing up, we even had like recycle stuff, but I grew up in Ohio. So lucky me. (laughs) But I'm just saying there's, it's like not even there anymore. People are just littering on the train. It's like, um, and who's making the decision? It's a freaking trash can. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Well, there are definitely, I've noticed like there are certain subway stops. Like we're, we're digressing a little bit, but like, yeah, the access to trash for sure. I would, you know, there's, there's no, there's no, there's like one can all the way on the other side of the, of the station. And when I'm getting out, it's like, I won't see one. Yeah. And like, once I leave the turnstile kind of, yeah, like it's, it's interesting, especially since they know that trash causes subway delays and subway fires and stuff yeah. that there's yeah. not. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a bit of, of a regression, but it also, it goes hand in hand as far as like, how, are, how are these, how are communities being, uh, treated? These choices. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. These are like really intentional. I, I can't believe. That city officials are not in making certain yeah. intentional choices, even if they're unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. To treat mm. certain neighborhoods in a certain way, to divert resources to mm-hmm. certain neighborhoods. That really need it. Yeah. And that have the political capital right. to fight for these things. I mean, I would imagine that someplace like Park Slope is like you know, gathering and organizing and, you know, they've got their meeting at the co-op that's saying like we want bikes yeah. and we want, you know, I don't know if you've seen these like new moped, like yeah. ride yeah. share services, but like, you know, they have the ability and the political yeah. capital and the time. to, and the time, right. Right. All of these things to yeah. really drive a political issue in their, in their neighborhood. Yeah. Whereas somebody who's working two, three jobs they gets home after, after midnight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not descending know. the city. No, I know. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so yeah. back a little bit right. to a city bike, um, <laughs> but uh, not to say everything we weren't talking about was very no, important, absolutely. but, um, but you know, in response, City Bike told uh, Metro New York, the who did the reporting, I found, mm-hmm. um, that over the next five years, this is the response, um, the program is planning to double the current service area and triple the number of bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, but how much, like, that's not specifying the popular you know what i mean it's not saying right you know it's vague it's not saying that it's actually going to help the you know 85 percent people of color who don't have access to this um 84 percent, which is crazy have have either of you rode a city bike i have i have yeah what's the cost like so in my my boss actually um it was like a share that we all use as an office um Mm -hmm. so i don't know um apparently it could be like i i as cheap as five dollars like um a month or something. I don't know. I I was reading brief, skimming briefly, and saying it okay. can be very affordable for okay. for um for those who have access to uh, it. Yeah, sometimes. I think you have to pay both like a monthly membership and like a per mile or like a distance, oh, t- or okay. or maybe it's just mm. time that mm-hmm. you use it. But I think it's like a combination okay. payment thing of yeah. like, and you can also get a day pass too. I think there's different. Yeah, if some, like a visitor just wanted to like ride it for the day. Um. But yeah, and I also I think I'm also um, a little undereducated on the financing of City Bike because um, I know it's like a it's like City Bank 
as like a sponsor, yeah, but right. I don't know if it's like New York City who actually. I don't. I think I don't know if it's a private or a public organization okay. that figures that out, which I guess would yeah. help drive the question of like you where know follow the money and right. like what their decision making yeah. process is. Because I think you know where I first started seeing them was very much um, you know the business centers of Manhattan when obviously the idea that it would be um, people like working in the city yeah. specifically who use it and now it's spra- it's sprawling out farther and farther into Bushwick and all that. Um, but it's yeah, it's like it seems like the driver is at least partly financial, of course, as most things are. Um, yeah, it says on Wikipedia, uh, yes. our, uh, <laughs> trust our modern source. day, <laughs> um, that City Bike is a privately owned public bike sharing service. Okay, so it um, is private funding. Yeah, and the the cost apparently is fourteen ninety five a month. Okay. Or one hundred and sixty nine dollars a year. Okay. Plus, uh, you can you can take it out for forty five minutes at a time if you're paying the monthly fee, and then it's two fifty for every additional fifteen minutes. So, oh, okay. You know, not exorbitantly no. expensive, I guess. If you're just doing like a commute thing right. and you use it every day, that sounds like a better yeah. cost than you know my weekly pass, even. Which yeah. Is, you know, Wait, is it forty five minutes a day or forty five minutes at a time? At a time. Okay. So yeah. you can go grocery shopping. You can do a ton of stuff. Right. Like that. And yeah. then go back. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, if you don't have access, right. you know, it doesn't even yeah. matter what the cost is. Cause... Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I know um, at the beginning from like a transportation planning situation, they were having issues where they had predicted that, okay, so people commute from here. They'll bring all the bikes here. And then at the end of the day, they'll bring it back so that they'll right. kind of all be evenly you know, like it won't be one will be completely empty right, and one right. will be totally full. But they they obviously that was prediction levels and they, you know, because yeah. the system only really works well if, you know, the bikes all end up, you know, like if, right. if not one's all full and one's all empty far, far away. Because if you can't park it, you know, distributes itself kind of regularly and evenly. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure there's some factor of that involved, but it's still like... Uh, God, that would be the most frustrating <laughs> moment getting yeah. to the city bike depot. Yeah, like and you it's would see. Full. I, I remember, You're like, where do I go now? <laughs> like they, they had to bring in, I think, trucks at some point to like, sh- like they were just too many bikes in one spot and not yeah. enough in another. So they started like bringing cars to air trucks, I think, to like bring them back to where oh, they wow. needed yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they they had issues with it at the beginning, of course. Not yeah, to, yeah. yeah. Like I'm not like, you know, I'm not trying to say they are out to get all the poor people, right? <laughs> like they're out to get us and keep people disadvantaged. But there's always bigger processes involved yeah that yeah. people need to stay up although i'm on. not ruling out the opinion that they are just working. evil <laughs> <laughs> the most evil bike planners all right. Uh, all right and last uh lastly on the local docket for today um so the democratic primary for queen's district attorney is going into a recount after queen's borough president melinda katz took the lead over public defender tiffany caban by less than 24 votes individual votes um yeah part of what is interesting about this um, election other than that extremely tight voting margin is that of the 2,800 affidavit votes cast on election day um affidavit votes being those um that's the kind of vote like if you go to the voting poll and your name's not on the list Mm -hmm. but you're like no 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 i'm definitely registered here you fill out one of those which is like you know alerts the counters that they have to like double check later Mm -hmm. on so anyway so there was 2,800 of those um, and only 487 or about 20% of them were deemed valid by the board of elections. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so part of what's interesting about that is that, so I don't, um, from what I was re- like the article I read, I'm, I'm not even sure if they know why all of them and it, some of them, 
some of them were, um, I think, like filled out wrong or there was a lot of complications where it's like some. You may have used the wrong. You may not have filled in the bubble. You right. Used a check mark. But in that X. case, the well, that's a little different because in that case, the machine met it. That's not an affidavit vote, but that is part of what ha- they oh. want to double check. The machine won't be able to read it, but a hand recount will count right, that. Right, so the right. numbers will change for a lot of different reasons during a recount. Um, but a lot of the votes were disqualified due to improper Democratic registration. Right. Because um, in accordance to New York election laws, you have to be registered as, as a Democrat a party, yeah, with the party the to vote in the primary, which isn't true everywhere. When I um, lived in Virginia for college, you didn't have to be affiliated with a party to vote in a primary. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it's not na- nationwide that that's true. Um, but how do we feel about that? Like, that's a pretty controversial thing. I have a lot of friends who feel that that's, you know, just the powers that be trying to keep things a st- certain you know status quo. Like. Mm. You know, the idea that we even have a party affiliations isn't in the Constitution, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of just like the way things have developed. Um, how do we feel about that? I mean, I think it kind of sucks because, you know, um, not any time does either party fulfill all of your needs. You know, yeah. you people mm-hmm. jump back and forth to how they feel about certain issues throughout their lives based on where they are, mm-hmm. um, their social position and what's happening to their family. So to have to affiliate with one or the other to be involved in primaries, does that really who is who is that really mm-hmm. geared towards? Especially today where, I mean, people are on both sides, uh, I would say. like Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're generally like more extreme on both yeah. sides than the party line, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so to have to, yeah, to have to declare yourself, uh, you know. Something. With the party on whatever issues and when you think about you know young people starting to vote you know which is really the people that i register because i work in a college they they're they're not sure Mm -hmm. you know who or what and that will deter them from going to the polls it's like oh that election doesn't matter it's like actually that one's probably more important than the one you're waiting for right you know yeah Yeah. um so i think some you know certain states ruling like that you know it's definitely something to be revisited yeah yeah and i mean it's you know it's just another one of those things where it's like why aren't we all automatically registered to vote when we turn 18 as right. citizens anyway right like who yeah. benefits from that yeah um who benefits and i and and you know yeah who benefits from not letting any everyone vote in a primary i guess you know there's always concern that there's people from another party trying to you know change whatever but it's like uh it's all whatever. Like, you know, that's always going to be a thing is people calculating one thing or another. But um, yeah, it's there's there's a, there's pe- there's a reason why we're not all automatically registered to vote these days. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's true. Yeah. Well, the recount will take uh, another three or four days, I think. Um, and yeah. we will definitely be on the lookout for yeah. who comes out on top. Yeah. And, uh, that's a know, big one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big one. And I guess we shouldn't say it, but come on. What? <laughs> Go Kaban. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, Emily. Okay. It's time for a short break, and then we'll get right back into it with national news. Stay with us. Uh, uh, turn your lights down low. And pull your window curtain Oh, let your moon come shining in Into our life again yeah. Ooh, it's been a long, long time Get this message for you, girl 
Devotion every night This potion might This ocean might Carry me In the wave of emotion To ask you to marry me In every word Every second And every third Expresses a happiness More clearly than ever heard And when I play them Every chord is a poem Telling the Lord How grateful I am Cause I know them The harmonies possess A sensation similar to your caress If you asking And I'm telling you it's yes Stand in love Take my hand in love Job bless Right Yeah. Uh, I want to give you some good, good loving. Turn your lights down low, right, right now. And pull your window curtains, right, right now. And let your love come tumbling in. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was Turn the Lights Down Low with Lauren Hill and Bob Marley. I love that song. Me too. It's great. Yeah, yeah. so Max, Lauren. you have the national news today. I do. <clears throat> uh, first story has to do with uh, Jeffrey Epstein being back in the headlines lately, facing a slew of new charges, including conspiracy and sex trafficking of minors. The revelations around Epstein's case have been so egregious that Alex Acosta, uh, Trump's former, at this point, labor secretary, who prosecuted Epstein in a terribly mishandled 2007 case in Florida, has stepped down from his position as labor secretary in the Trump administration. Prosecutors uh, in a new case that's being brought are claiming Epstein, whose worth is estimated at upwards of $500 million dollars, is at risk is a flight risk and are asking for a bail bond in the hundreds of millions. Mm-hmm. I mean, this case has so many angles yeah. and <clears throat> it's really hard to know where to start. I yeah. mean, you know, we, there's so much about the 2007 case that I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the fact that 
prosecutors, including Jeffrey Acosta and his team, negotiated down to a 13... Alex Acosta. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Alex Acosta's, yeah, and his prosecutorial team negotiated uh, a deal with Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein. They were in conversation with this guy <laughs> where he would legal. basically say, no, I'm not going to accept the deal, and they would lessen it for him until they got hmm. him a 13-month sentence yeah. with work release where they would allow him to leave yeah. the county jail where he had a private wing uh, for six yeah. hours a day uh. and go to his waterfront office where there were deputies out posted outside but a radio story i was <clears throat> listening to this mm -hmm. week said that the deputies were not paying attention to who's going in and out of the office mm. and women were going in and mm. out of the office they were not paying any attention to what was going on inside the office i mean just the nefarious nature of Terrible. the deal is and just horrendous. like just we got to remember you know he's got this freaking deal for like abusing minors essentially right. and we there's people who were in jail have been in jail for 10 20 years because they sold weed yeah. right like Apparently, let's not forget that right. that's what's going on who do not get work release whose well, lives are basically ruined that matter just how far money gets you is insane i mean not to mention being white i guess in this case too but yeah how how is it possible for someone to just blatantly flaunt the justice system money split, yeah. yeah i mean obviously their money is in the pockets of the people who make the decisions yeah you know? Yeah. Period. That's Next not story. jail, people. That is not no. justice. No. Okay. It's definitely not justice. That is punishment. Well, what, <laughs> well, I mean, what does justice look like in a case like this? Well, um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, definitely not real, being able to do anything like this. Yeah. You don't need a no work wing. release to mm -hmm. keep making exactly. money, real money while he's in jail. No work release. Um, a real sentence. Exactly. That is fit for this sort of crime, which is a sexual offender. He's a sexual offender. Exactly. Statutory rape, like whatever. It's Basically, all there. his he life did, being over. At this he time. did have to register right. as a sexual as right. a sex offender. Perfect. Not that it necessarily affects his life as it would for somebody who's right. you know looking for a menial job. For right. example, I mean, yeah. his got, name doesn't get you that far. Right, yeah. he's got a financial. He's got yeah. his financial situation. I am uh, right. I um, was reading about the whole his whole process. So when he got out of jail, he like basically went on a one man like rehabilitation campaign for his reputation. And reading about it was really interesting. Like how how is he still? And it was talking about how he got out of jail and his reputation got better somehow because he he just created these websites for himself to show how he supports philanthropy and science and like would ingratiate himself with people and power. And like, there were, there are certain women who do a lot of women's rights things who like, he somehow convinced that like, Oh, I'm reformed, blah, blah, blah. And they like, that sort of gave him this glow of sort of like, Oh, he's fine. And well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, his money allotted him to wipe away his crimes, if you will, or at least right. attempt yeah. to, right. um, which doesn't make it any better, no. you know? Well, I think it was also, you know, for a long time, people just didn't really know that much. And until mm -hmm. the Miami Herald, it seems, decided to dig into the 2007 case again mm -hmm. and expose all of this. Yeah. And in, and a me post Me Too era, too, the meaning right. of all this changed. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah, it all changes. You know, yeah. what's happening now with R. Kelly is opposed to what happened in 2003. Like he's right. actually now it's when, when the tide of public opinion changes. Right. Like. Um, I was, I was listening to a conversation, I, I don't know, somewhere about, um, yeah, basically public opinion, how much that matters. And like, you know, the Michael Jackson cases in the early 2000s, the, and now the R. Kelly case, which is basically just a total reversal of what yeah. happened then. And now that people 
care. Like I don't, I didn't even know who Jeffrey Epstein was and I hate him right? I'm because saying, of this. Right? It has nothing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, yeah. And let me just plug for a second, this amazing podcast that mm-hmm. I found lately uh, by Kimberly Crenshaw um, mm-hmm. that's called Intersectionality Matters. And mm-hmm. she has conversations about the, these very topics, yeah. the, okay. the shifting narratives around um, sexual offenders and whatnot mm-hmm. with R. Kelly and, and other folks. And it is so good. Yeah. I mean, Check it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah definitely. Listeners, my co-hosts, everybody. <laughs> right now. <laughs> cool. Um, in other news, uh, after a long battle, President Trump has announced on Thursday the 2020 census will be printed without a controversial citizen. Freaking finally. Question. Right. Citizenship question. <sighs> he was forced uh, to back down from his fight to reinstate the question. After his Justice Department's argument was rejected by the Republican majority Supreme Court for being contrived. <laughs> Loath to accept defeat, however, he tried to replace his legal team and rework the argument, a request denied uh, because it would delay the time sensitive matter too far. And he also threatened uni- unilateral executive action. In the end, however, he gave up. Good. Right. <laughs> But He's why gotta do... be tired at this point. I mean, I don't know. He's old, so maybe. I mean, damn, gotta be tired of spewing hate. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, exhausting. Got, it has to be. It's exhausting just here. Sorry. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it really is. is exhaustion. <laughs> like, like, are you really gonna just pretend the Supreme Court didn't just tell you this is like you? Right. You don't have time. Right. Like, I mean, right. It's right. enough already. Yeah. If yeah, nothing else, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it, it exposes the critical nature of the question. Though, I mean, right, why right. was yeah. he pushing for yeah. this in the first place? And we haven't really talked about it on the show that I can no. remember since it became a thing. But yeah, the idea. So there was a citizenship question on the census in it stopped being on there in the 50s, I want to say. Somewhere around there. Yeah, they, they, they used to be one um, and then they took it off. And the argument um, against it, which I from I can think we're all on that side, is that yeah. um it prevents an actual accurate count of a population because there's going to be people, recent immigrants or Mm -hmm. um, just people who are afraid to say yes or no to that question um, for one reason or another um, who are, but who are living here and who, who the communities that need resources just to stay healthy and stay, you know, um, represented. Um, And then of course, like Trump's here saying like, well, you know, he's saying that, um, they just want an accurate count. Is that like, but obviously that number can be used for such nefar, like, you yeah. know, ice rates. Yeah. Like, it's Absolutely. crazy. Yeah. 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 A- and beyond that, yeah. I mean, this Supreme Court decision was uh, hand in hand with a uh, an approval yeah. or, or rather like a lack of decision on right. the Supreme Court's side um, about the gerrymandering. Was it mm-hmm. a lack? I thought they said it wasn't in the Constitution. So go ahead. <laughs> That, Basically, yeah. they were like, we can't really say this right. is a bad. We can't say no to this. And and they go really hand in hand yeah. because uh, based on mm-hmm. the 2020 census results, the districts can be redrawn. Right. And so I, I feel like right. that was obviously part of why Trump was pushing so hard to add this question back was because right. obviously like with the elections coming right. up that's going to be a huge um controversy yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just like ugh, but the whole gerrymandering thing i like my stomach like sank when i read when i saw that headline yeah. or it's just like and um 
Elena Kagan, I think, gave the dissenting dissenting argument and basically said this as we have failed as the Supreme Court to protect in our in our main duty to protect free and fair elections. Right. By saying, There's so much in the Constitution that's not there that yeah. they make decisions on Hobby Lobby, whatever. Yeah. And for the, it's just it feels so picky choosy. Well, this isn't in the Constitution, so we won't rule like so we can't say now. It's like, really? Yeah, it's definitely hand selected. Yeah. 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 Well, 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 well. Well, we'll definitely be uh, looking out for the census. Everybody pay attention. Do your part. (laughs) (laughs) Do your part. Um, In our last national story, uh, we're going to be looking at an expanding ICE detention center, uh, or rather the uh, expansion of uh, ICE detention centers to new facilities across the South. Um, ICE enforcement, uh, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, excuse me, has opened up three new detention centers, raising the number of detainees to 54,000 people. Wow. That's an increase of 20,000 since 16 and was done despite Congress having demanded they limit their capacity to under 41,000 as part of the deal reopening the government at the beginning of 2019. The detention centers are opening in the midst of massive controversy surrounding the overcrowded ICE detention facilities across the country. Uh, many have taken up calling the centers concentration camps, which mm-hmm. has stirred up its own controversy. I mean, again, so many angles, especially given Trump's announcement that this weekend, in fact, today, yeah. there would be uh, massive, massive raids. ICE raids. Um, and, and, you know, this is, these are people's lives. These are people's lives and uh, people who are seeking asylum, protection. Yeah. And furthermore, all evidence shows that detaining more people, even deporting more people, does not deter anyone seeking asylum or simply attempting to immigrate to the U.S. Mm-hmm. I mean, why are we detaining more people than ever? And why is ICE opening up more facilities in the face of these facts? Ugh. I mean, it's it's so I mean, Trump is trying to appeal to his base, right? His like, extreme nationalistic white base. Um, and this looks like he's taking action on this thing. This thing that, you know, by building up fear over it, you know, inc- you know, increases his base. And then by acting on it, you know, it's this thing where like, oh, they're going to take our jobs. No, they're not. I'm glad you can see it yeah. from an objective standpoint. <laughs> well, it doesn't, right. maybe not you know, so objective. I mean, it's just, <laughs> when you think about the number of people that are just sitting yeah. there for an unmentionable amount Ter- of time, terrible. you know, and like horrible, what, what's going to happen, facilities. Yeah. you know, to these people, how long are they there? What is the start? What is the finish? Like, it's yeah. just this ongoing nightmare. Um, of all of these people and it just keeps growing and growing. So, right. so it's almost like, oh, well, is this another jail? Is yeah. that what it is? Cause exactly. that's what, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Well, literally some of these detention centers are being opened in former jails that were closed for their controversial histories. Mm-hmm. One had a massive riot, uh, in it because the facilities were un, were not, uh, fit for, for jailing yeah. people. And, in which a, a guard was killed. I mean, there were Terrible. multiple injuries, and now they're reopening it, you know, without public announcement. It's all under the radar. Yeah. And furthermore, they're being done in a sim- in a parallel to what we were talking about earlier with mm-hmm. the jails yeah. in the in the that are being opened in the boroughs. That they're being opened in places that are 
really far out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Really like remote. Right. Which is not an accident. Right. Exactly. To, and that they're being opened in places where immigration courts don't exist. And so mm. they have to Skype into mm. courtrooms elsewhere, which just, I mean, how can, that just hurts your case how automatically. Can, that's just like. That's crazy. Why is this necessary? Yeah. Like what is. It's, it's, I mean, yeah. What, like why? It's, it's like. <laughs> Asylum seekers, tired, like, what? Like, asylum seekers and like all of it and you know it's 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 a lot of people too just like taking this on a personal level it's like you know the whole um asylum seekers during world war ii right and like yeah. boats being turned away and sent back to death basically in europe and how like you know all the same people right now who are in charge of this i'm sure would look at that and be like that's terrible blah 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 like if you actually put them on the spot right. but then they're literally doing the same, same thing. thing and right. it's because it's like a I mean, I don't know why it's, but it feels like it's a lack of empathy for someone who doesn't look like you or or talk like you. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I just, you know, when you hear the stories and you see just the ever growing population of people that are affected by this, I just, I just always finish. I always think, and I never stop thinking like what happens to them after the story? Mm -hmm. Like how long are they in these positions? Mm -hmm. And are we, you know, our tax dollars are funding the shit. You know, I hate to be so, so brutal about it, but the reality is, we never hear the end of these stories. We yeah. never see where this is going yeah. to go. And to, it almost feels like, um, you know, God forbid. Well, if we get, you know, a new administration, um, there's so much unraveling that's going to have yeah. to be done really? after all of this, it's you so know? True. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I, I part of what I'm hoping is that, you know, given the inundation of these kinds of stories, the never ending narrative that we're hearing about Mm -hmm. that we don't become numb to it. I mean, it's so easy to just for it to be normalized and you're like, Oh, well there's nothing we can do. Exactly. It just is the way it is. I mean, you know, people are still coming. People are still applying for asylum and. Well, and it's, it's this, you know, this idea that, you know, by being treated horribly here, it's a deterrent. It's like, you know how bad it is for them, for for them to even travel and come and try and come here the way they did. Like Mm -hmm. how bad it must be for them where they're from. Exactly. And this isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, Thanks, Max. That's a lot to think about. (laughs) Um, We're going to hear another tune and then we'll be right back with the world news. Bad Mrs. Throwing Raspberry Kisses on me. You looking for direction, girl, I feel your vision on me. Just don't let them see you sweating. We ain't supposed to be involved. Knowing when we get it off, girl, I mean it all. Keeping you feeling till you're taking and tossed. And when I'm breaking it off, it's no denying the fact it's wrong. Cause you got a man who probably playing this part. You probably breaking his heart. He trying to figure the reason you're gone. Is it cause it's superficial? Or is it too submissive? Or did I come along and hit you with the futuristic? Or is it cause you really couldn't see your future with him? All he bought his paper never. Took the time with you to listen. You want it gripped up, flipped and thrown to get stripped and shown the way to get in the zone. Of course, dealing with this, you won't be taking the loss. You need to leave them alone and roll with the one who breaks the ball. We get started. Baby, baby, baby. You know I took Oh, baby. Ooh, yeah, yeah. We started, girl. 
Uh, welcome back to Objection to the Rule. That was Break You Off by The Roots. Teresa, why don't you uh, bring us some world news this week? All right. So New Zealand's first gun buyback in the wake of the Christchurch shooting attracted more than 150 gun owners on Saturday, according to law enforcement officials. Uh, the, com- the district's commander of the police department, Mike Johnson, he reported a payout of $300,000 to gun owners um, and they said they turned in 224 recently banned semi-automatic weapons and more than 200 banned gun parts. Mm. Uh, the first buyback comes four months after a gunman entered two mosques at Christchurch, killing 51 people. Um, he has pled he has pled not guilty. Can you believe that on mm. all those charges? And his trial is expected to begin next year. So they did it. Uh, they said mm-hmm. they were going to have a buyback. They said they were going to put this new legislation. Uh, this is the first one. Sounds like they got almost 500, you know, pieces of a gun or of guns off the streets. Yeah. Um, ultimately, it sounds like it was a success. Do you guys think that a buyback program like this would be <laughs> even slightly possible in the U.S.? Well, all right. So I, I, I wish um, <laughs> I, I just know that um, there's certain things that are sound nice and can work in some societies and cultural norms allow for that. And then others that don't work elsewhere. And like on a, on a simpler level or like on a more basic level, I, when I was um, studying architecture, actually they, we talked about how in in Germany there's this whole, there's this idea that, you know, they're getting rid of um, streetlights or like there's a certain town or something that experimented with this and it worked fine where it's like, there's no sidewalks. There's no, it's just all one paved, you know, paved thing and there's no streetlights and everyone's just gonna, if you're more aware of what's around you, you're mm-hmm. like, um, you, everyone's paying more attention, less accidents. Cause you just have to be more aware. Right. What? Which is something that, that works sounds- in a society, in a certain society and will not, would never work here <laughs> and would never work here. And that's just, I, I, I just don't think that I, it's, it's in our blood. It's in our constitution as people like manifest destiny style, just came here and just took over and within recent, you know, right. within the last 150 years. I mean, it certainly feels like that. Wild I feel West. like, yeah, I feel <laughs> I was listening to uh, to like a, a a recap of um, what is the guy's name? The the NRA president who's a former like famous actor. Oh, the are you talking about Charlton Heston? Yes. Is he the, he's not Heston. the president. But he he's, was. Oh. He was the Ugh. president. Yeah. And he loves he, guns. His speech <laughs> of like when. I can't remember what was they were trying to like reform gun laws and mm-hmm. and basically inst- I think institute like a buyback of some sort under Clinton I want to mm-hmm. say mm. oh no it was uh, Al Gore oh, Al Gore is this when he stood up and he was like pull it out of my out dead of my cold. cold dead hands and I was like oh my god <laughs> yeah. like the chills yeah. on wow. my back yeah. it was Moses so intense he played Moses yes <laughs> wow. And I, I think I agree with you. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know how effective a gun buyback program would be. I would, right. I would, I would say 
do it anyway. I mean, right. I've, I've, well, I've right. heard of these happen in a certain communities. Yeah. Um, I was, I was definitely ask, in yeah. Brooklyn. Okay. Um, you know, my, my church is pretty active in the community. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. a couple years ago, I think there was a buyback um, that happened somewhere in Clinton Hill, Fort Greene. What was or it? Or at least was it, it, was, yeah. it wasn't maybe not a buyback, but when they do bring the guns, mm-hmm. it was like, what do you call that? When oh, you could just oh, bring them right. and when you're with no forgiven. questions yeah, asked. Yeah, no questions asked. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We did. Ha- we I think we held it at my church, actually. Cool. Um, so things like this are possible yeah. from yeah. a voluntary perspective, yeah. I think. Yeah. And Without the financial incentive. Exactly. Right. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Right. This yeah. could be this could be innovative. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think it's the question of whether it would be on a national scale or not. Right. right. Where I, th- I agree. I think there's plenty of communities out there and there's plenty of even gun owners who are are actively thinking about you know why and you know there are there are plenty of smart people that yeah. you know might rethink it and might want to turn their guns in or know you know think about the statistics and how it's you're more likely to shoot someone you know by accident or something like that but um but it's it, there's such a a, a a like a anger and there's such like an impassioned sense of it's 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 that it's that like wild west cowboy this is me and mine. Right. Not you get, you know, as opposed to a sense, a larger sense of. Let's stop all this killing. Right. A larger sense of looking out for your, you know, your fellow. Yeah. People that I, it's like kind of almost ingrained in our national psyche in a way that it makes it, I don't know if this would work on a national level. I just, I I mean, I almost feel like it it is something, I don't understand why it's not happening on a local level. Mm -hmm. Um, In my hometown of Cincinnati, um, just this past weekend in the summer, the violence is like really ridiculous and Mm -hmm. lots of teens and young people lose their lives every summer because they're fucking bored, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Just over the last weekend, I think they had something like between 10 and 20 deaths (sighs) over maybe the last month. Um, and it's all Terrible. youth and things of that nature. Right. And my thing is, why aren't we doing this on a regular basis right. in these Absolutely. communities where these things are happening? If this is something that local, you know, uh, officials can facilitate. Right. What is the what is the argument well, against? Exactly. Right. What's yeah. what's wrong with it? Yeah. Um, I definitely think it's something that we should, you know, highlight. We should look for yeah. um, maybe talk to leaders about doing because yeah. at, at the very minimum, somebody will turn something in. Yeah. I feel like the NRA has really effectively conflated the yeah. issue of uh, making guns illegal yeah. and like a buyback yeah. program. Because it's like you don't have to say the gun is illegal right. to start a program like this. Right. But exactly. I think the conversation has conflated the two things and it's like well, if conflated you do so back, many things like right. also like the necessity of an automatic rifle all right like an, an right. and yeah for anything right yeah <laughs> like um and you know <laughs> and it's also this whole argument that it's like oh in case the government wants to take over you know the kind of weaponry the government has they, <laughs> they want the july 4th parade in small towns around the country because there was yeah. like a post 9-11 program where they right. like a small town that like whatever in the middle of nowhere with a population of 400 can just get a tank now it's like and it's but it's this dual escalation right like as the as the and it's the government will you will never have the firepower to overtake the government but as you as your weapons get more intense so does the government's right and it's it's this it's a lot it's 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 also just follow the money right who's making money off of this it's the gun manufacturers who fund the nra absolutely (sighs) yeah i mean it's scary i just i just really hope that you know, if anybody's listening, <laughs> that, you know, this could be something that you could bring up in a community yeah. meeting. You know, if it, it can happen in one community, it can happen anywhere. Yeah. And I mean, I, I though not not even devil's advocate, like I would love to see programs like that left and right. But I, I'm sure that officials who want to make those decisions have to think about the 
gun crazies who will yeah. come to protest it with yeah. their firepower, right? Like yeah. it's we we are in a society yeah. where it's not a tragedy happens and look how this came, you know, look how in New Zealand everyone kind of not everyone, but I'm sure a lot of people, vast majority sounds like rallied around the idea of we gotta do something about this. Yeah. Where we have such a built in you narrative. know, cold narrative yeah. around gun ownership here that there's people are going to fly in from around you know what i mean to to do their crazies i mean because it's not i mean it's it's also the fact that and this i feel like is always an argument but like we have such a big country with so many people yeah people can fly (laughs) in from all 50 states and build a freaking army yeah (laughs) yeah right and it may not be threatening to the u.s government but But it certainly could be threatening to a small town right yeah and it's it's not it's not a so a program like that is not without a controversy which so yeah 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 but it was to say we shouldn't do it right would it be worth it yeah Yeah. Yeah. well more to come on that hopefully um so for our speaking of weapons uh for our final (laughs) uh story this week we're going to talk about iran and the breaches to the nuclear deal So Iran has recently reported that it's resumed enriching uranium to higher levels, breaching its commitment under its nuclear deal. The previously established deal that was reached four years ago with six of the world powers saw that it limits its nuclear activities in return to sanction relief. The deal restricted Iran's enrichment of uranium, which is used to make reactor fuel, but also nuclear weapons. Um, It was also required to redesign a heavy water reactor being built and um, the overall just um, just more more watch on their nuclear oh, weapon mm-hmm, building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Trump, uh, he unilaterally withdrew from the deal in May of 2018, and he reinstated these sanctions. Iran says that it stopped meeting its commitments um, under the nuclear. It will stop meeting its commitments under the nuclear mm-hmm. deal unless European countries or other trade partners finds ways to provide economic benefits that they originally promised from the deal. And we already know at this point they have exceeded the amount of enriched uranium. Uh, because Europe couldn't provide mm. enough to yes. make up for. So they've already the, started. Yeah, they've um, already. Back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so originally the deal was put in place because nobody trusted Iran. Uh, they had talked about that they were going to have these limits, but they put these sanctions on them because nobody believed them on the international stage. Right. And now we're in this place where, um, you know, Trump decides to yeah. take put these sanctions back on because they're not moving as fast as he likes. And now we're in a situation like this. Right. And it's, you know, that's exactly right. Like, why would they like the U.S. sanctions were hurting them so much? And it's exactly. Like, yeah. Why would they hold up the deal? Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't really blame them. Right. They're not getting what they supposedly promised or yeah. were promised. Um, so speaking of the U.N., right, all of mm-hmm. these major powers are a part of it. Um, obviously everybody doesn't want this to happen in this way. Is there a way of redirecting these sanctions or something being done to better facilitate a relationship with the other world powers in Iran? Oh, could, could they over, you know, overstep, um, these decisions or do something to influence a better relationship with them? Right. I mean, it sucks. I feel like the U S just has so much power on yeah. the economic stage that yeah. they can throw yeah. We We can throw our weight around. And everybody else just kind of has to fall in line because they don't have the ability or the economic capabilities to. Yeah. And and it brings up that, you know, that age old question of the effectiveness of the U.N. too. Um, As I love the U.N. I wanted I wish, you know, I wish it was more effective, but it's always that idea that um, how the powers divide within it. right, Right. And they're not they're not a body that's able to actually enforce. They just have to they have to hope that they make, you know, they have to, they make these decisions internationally. And it's like a it's a negotiating platform. Yeah. 
that does have good, you know, I love it. I love it so much and I'm so glad it exists. But, um, but it's that question of if someone doesn't comply, you know. I mean, I would always, you know, as much as I know about the UN and the reality of this may never happen, mm-hmm. it almost seems that if everyone else maybe got on the same right. accord, um, that something could be done. Right. I hate the idea that this is an organization that exists here to facilitate change and um, all of these wonderful communication aspects that it could bring, but right. it's constantly being manipulated. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I can make a final point, I think I heard a very effective argument, in my opinion, that was saying that Iran is not just doing this because of the sanctions, but also because Trump has made it clear that Mm -hmm. having the threat of a nuclear weapon is an incredibly effective negotiating tool with him. I mean, we see it in the case of North North Korea. Yeah. 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 And at the end of the day, it's it's we're all scared, but that's. That's what gets you on the on the right. on the, yeah. the table, That's right? Which is terrifying. Which is terrifying, but also kind of comforting, right? Like right. maybe if we all have no, you know, one will ever use them unless right. they all get hot headed and crazy, <laughs> right? Um, I, mean, I would love if no one had one, but since they have people do, maybe no one will all just hold hands and <laughs> not use our nuclear weapons. Yeah. Each other. The, I mean, as much as I don't want to be vulnerable, I really do wish that, you know, the power, the other powers that be could use their level of diplomacy right. um, to force some change. Yeah. Um, even though I'm scared of what that might there, even right. mean, but you know, that'll be maybe one day. Right? Fewer and fewer level heads. Long, right. The longer we get into the century. Well, that's it for this week's Objection to the Rule. Thank you so much for listening. You can catch all of our shows on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org or on the next Radio Free or on the Radio Free Brooklyn app. Uh, listen up next for more independent Brooklyn media. And just uh, so everybody knows, one of the few ways Radio Free Brooklyn is able to generate revenue is to keep our station on the air by offering affordable podcast recording services to people in the community. If you're thinking about starting a new podcast or just want to get yours out of the kitchen and into a professional studio where it belongs, RFB offers a low hourly rate, which includes a technician, so all you need to do is show up and record. As a special thanks to our live listeners, we're offering an amazing discount through September 1st. Just use the coupon uh, Just use the coupon code um, when scheduling and you'll get 20% off the cost of your first recording with us. Just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash podcast studio and enter your coupon code to get your discount.